It's so good to see you. Man, it's so wonderful. The sun is shining, and you guys look incredible. And I can't wait. As you can see, the long-awaited screen is behind us. You say, why is that the case? Because we we have a, a sensing in our heart in this season is that that Bible says, my son, attend to my words, incline your ears to my saying. Keep them before your heart. Keep them in the midst of your heart because it's life to those who find it and healing. The Word of God um, being taught. We can preach about it, but there is something when you take out your smartphone, your Android, or your iPhone, your jitterbug, whatever it is, and thou shalt not go onto Facebook in the house of the Lord. You know, I'm just saying. Um, and you begin to just take notes. And instead of expecting a message that lasts about 25, 30 minutes to transform your life, you use it as a guide map to just asking the Holy Spirit to open my eyes that your word of God is, is more than just information. I want you to know if information could change us, everybody would be changed right now. But unless crea God creates open eyes and transformation and and the word jumps out of the pages and bites you in the heart. You know how that goes, right? And that's my prayer for all of you this morning. And we're going to be continuing this series of Yes and Amen. And Anajia is going to stay close. Because here is the part um, that we've been talking about with Yes and Amen. Is that the Bible says, how do I get saved? If you believe in Lord Jesus Christ, that He is your Lord and Savior. Lord is surrendering of your independence and self-reliance. Listen, Adam and Eve didn't say, we hate God. They just said, we want to be like Him and we like Him. And Lucifer said this, I want to send above the clouds and I want to set up my throne be just like God. And the deception that I think the enemy wants to sell us is that you guard over the works of sinful things. You go like, I can't lie. I'm a Christian. I can't do this. You're right. But if independence and self-reliance is still the operation of your life, then those other things are merely the consequences of the major root of sinful things. And it's very hard for us as followers of Christ to admit when we are independent, self-reliant, and prayer is one of those places. Remember, Jesus wrestled down His will in the Garden of Gethsemane, the place of crushing. And there is this beautiful statement by uh, Leonard Ravenhill that says, no man or woman is greater than their prayer life. Who we are on our knees in secret before God Almighty, that is who we are and no more. The, the one that I love the most. Are you ready for it? I would actually um, get it tattooed somewhere if I had the courage that the tattoo artist is not going to misspell it on my... If the only time you pray is when you're in trouble, you're already in trouble. Think about it. The only time you pray, because literally you're saying to God, just hang out. I think I know what I'm doing, but I'll come to you when it all breaks down. Yeah, that's not how this works. That's why prayer is such a beautiful thing. 
And today, the scripture that I want to take you to is the scripture in Luke chapter 1, verse 11. Such a powerful scripture because one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, scripture says, one of his disciples said, come on, read it out with me. Lord, teach us how to pray. Just like John taught his disciples. And then Jesus went about teaching them what we call the Lord's Prayer. One of the most prayed prayers in Christian faith. And we're going to pray it together. And if you don't know it, just fake along, okay? Nobody knows you don't know. Uh, so it goes like this. Come on, everybody. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. Come on. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Now, if Jesus taught you how to pray, should you not just be praying that prayer all the time? But you see, there is another scripture in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, that, that says this. Come on, let's read it together. He says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasion with what? Come on, with what? With all kinds of prayer. In other words, he's talking about there are more kinds of prayer. But then why did Jesus say this is how you pray. Now, I want to tell you something that you probably know already that's, that's kind of cool. Um, ever heard of the Rosetta Stone? Now, the Rosetta Stone is so unique. Um, I, when we were, uh, had the privilege to go to Paris, um, I was standing in the Louvre. Uh, Caleb tracked it down for us because the Rosetta Stone was discovered August 1799. It was a decree given by one of the Egyptian kings at 179 before Christ. What makes this so interesting is that the top of the Rosetta Stone is all Egyptian hieroglyphics. You look at it and you're clueless. But what makes it incredible is that the bottom half was written in ancient Greek that interprets the hieroglyphics. And from the Rosetta Stone, they were able to build an understanding for the language of the Egyptian hieroglyphics. Now, you say, Pastor P, why are you telling me about a Rosetta Stone? This is what I'm going to ask you. Have you ever considered that the Lord's Prayer is a Rosetta Stone to understand all prayer? In other words, not only did He teach us how to pray, but the principles that we find in the Lord's Prayer is what teaches us the structure, the Rosetta Stone understanding of all prayer. Now, I, I want you to hang with me because I think some of you will go like, really, really, really. And today we're going to begin to talk about this part of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Now, Jesus, in the book of uh, in the book, in the book, in the book, in the book, in the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 13. I'll read this first part to you. He says, when you pray, 
Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners so that people can see them. Yes, I tell you, they have their reward already. But you, when you pray, go into your room, close your door and pray to your father in secret, the father who sees what is done in secret and will reward. Now, many of you go like, that means we can't pray in public. No, that's not what he is saying. He's saying the people who pray in public to want to be seen should not pray in public, right? Then he goes on, and when you pray, don't babble on like the pagans who think God will hear them better if they talk. Don't be like them because your father knows exactly what you need when you ask him. Then he says, therefore, pray like this. And we just recited the Lord's Prayer. So here is something that comes up in this whole thing. Jesus talks about pagan prayer versus the prayer of people who are Christ followers. Now immediately you go like, you don't dare call me a pagan this morning. Now let me just explain. Pagan means extremely skeptical or irreligious. Someone who is an alien to the true worship of God. Can I hold it to you that I think part of our understanding of true worship of God has been alienated over time. Part of our understanding of when we worship Him and we love Him. Because I want you to know even the way we expect God to show up has been alienated. We, we want something to happen. If it doesn't happen, we declare God's not there. But here is something very interesting that Jesus talks about, the prayer of the pagan and Christ followers. I love this statement. Pagus, pagans cannot pray like Christ followers, but Christ followers can pray like pagans. Oh, come on now. When I, when I wrote that down, I imagined people shouting, wow, that's incredible. Um, we still have a chance at it. Uh, pagans cannot pray like Christians, but it is possible for Christians to pray like pagans. Thank you, ladies. I hope that the message falls well for you this morning. What does that even mean, pay like pagans? Because Jesus used this word about pagans, and he says, and when you pray, don't. <laughs> what is the word there? Babble. Because like pagans, you think if you babble and you talk a lot, lot God's going to hear you. Now the another assumption that you can make is say, you know, that Saturday prayer that's now moved to a Tuesday morning. And by the way, it's incredible. You've got to come. 6.30, you've got to come. Oh, it is incredible. If you've never prayed, we take you baby steps to pray. You go like, why is it an hour if the Bible says, listen, if you tell me you're going to talk for an hour to God, it sounds like babbling to me. Right? But, but, but that really is not what babbling means because a babble is an interesting word. It means multiplicity of empty words and anxious repetitions. Now, I've got to tell you, I'm guilty of babbling. How many of you have prayed anxious prayers because you don't think God is getting it the first time you're saying it? It's not that anxiety leads you to pray a confident prayer. Anxiety is not a problem. We are humans. Every time I've got to come out here and preach, I'm anxious. Anxiety is human. But when we pray with anxiety because we think God is not listening, that's babbling. 
That's a whole different deal because the Bible even talks about prayer and petition. In other words, to ask God again is not babbling, but if it's anxious repetition and multiplicity of empty words. But here is something that's quite interesting. You know that every person you meet in life, there is a different percentage of performance and expectation that you think will return with rewards. Let me explain. If you meet a girl and you like her, you are looking for rewards. Right, men? Right, ladies? Come on, work with me. So, to be honest with you, I'm looking for that and my rewards is that she will love me and fall in love with me. But I know she has. And I'm wondering what the heck is in her head. What does she want? So I ask, what color flowers, baby, do you like? That's a tree. <laughs> what flowers do you want? What food do you like? And then when I find out the expectation, it puts me into what? <laughs> yeah, you better believe it. It's costly. You open car doors. You've never opened a car door in your life. You, 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 you nice. You, you do all these things and then you get married and all of a sudden, now you demand the rewards, you don't know the expectations and you refuse to perform. And let me tell you something, if you want to be married for a long time, do what you did to get him or her and keep doing it for the rest of your life. So think about what I just shared here with you. Now, let's look at other relationships because we all have different relationships. So if we look at this, Every relationship of a different percentage of performance, expectation, and rewards. If I go to a business relationship, it is so hard because whoever you work for has an expectation. If you exceed the expectation, then it feels like you're part of a family that loves you forever. But the moment when you don't exceed the expectation, have any of you ever felt that the family just became the mob and they cut you off like you never existed. Come on, just wave at me. It's, it's all of a sudden this whole thing came to an end because this business relationship went south. A, a tenant relationship, if you are the landlord, you have an expectation of the tenant that first of all, they're gonna pay their rent, they're gonna keep the place clean, and the more they do it, the more you treat them with love. You're the best tenant in the world until they don't pay their rent. What then? They go from the best in the world to I will sue you. Now you're renting from them. They keep, they paint the walls, they clean the carpets. If anything happens, they there immediately. You love your landlord until they stop performing. Then you stop paying rent. And now it's pure animosity. Come on, who knows where I'm going with this, right? Let me give you another one. Friendships, I'm not going to talk much. How many of you have ever lost a great friend? And to this day, you don't know why. Come on, wave at me. Something happened, and it's all got to do with expectations, performance, and rewards. I'll give you another one. Siblings, how many of you love your brothers and sisters almost? Go on now. You know what I mean? But there's blood in your veins. And I want to say this. Don't grow old separated from the people who, whose same blood is going through your vein. 
Then the last thing that I just want to speak into for just one second is parent and child. The Bible says, God says, can, can a mother ever forget her child? He says, no, never, never. He says, neither can I forget you. I've indelibly tattooed your name on the palm of my hand. And I want to say this, fathers, mothers, it is extremely hard to raise all the children because you have no control over the choices they make. And I want to know in this church that Bible says train them up in the way they should go, but your children will fly like a boomerang. And I don't want any parent ever in this church to feel ashamed for where your children are flying. Because in a perfect God, garden with a perfect God, there was an Adam and Eve that made their own decisions. It was no reflection of God. But yet His mercy followed them. He, he kept the table open. He kept the light on. And I want to say this the way that you get your kids to fly back home is not to say, I told you so. It's not to cut them off with absolutes. Oh, every time I hear a story of parents not talking to their kids for years, that breaks my heart and I would probably understand when I know what your kids did to you. But I wanna say this to you, where else will they find a love of a father and a love of a mother that always makes room for the extent of you come from me. You come through me. And I pray that in the hard circumstances that some of you carry, that you will be the first to call. That you will be the first to say, God, would you restore what is broken? Because you see, it's within the parent and the child that we arrive at this. The test of whether you and I pay, pay, pray pagan prayers is when, how we react when prayer goes unanswered. Now, I, I would everybody, please, I want you to respond, all the campuses. Be honest. Everybody that says, I have prayed, but a lot of my prayers, God did not answer. Wave at me. Come on now. Come on. Come on. If you're honest and you know it, raise your hands. Uh, uh, uh. Right? He didn't answer. That's why a lot of people say, I, I don't pray. But how do you react when your prayer goes unanswered? Because you see, anger is one way. Anger. God, what the heck? Uh, do you know when, when you have anger prayers because you think I deserve it? No, come back. Anger. I deserve it because I have been a good person and I have been paying my rent. I don't lie. I don't steal. I don't gossip. I go to church. I give my tithing. I even don't cut the line at Starbucks and I say, God bless you to every miserable person I see every day. God, I have done enough. Why are you not answering my praise? Come on, anybody ever felt that way? Or oh, the other way that you can respond is when you respond not with anger, but with guilt. Oh, guilt is a whole different beast because you see, God an answer, so I feel like I've been letting God down. And I have not been paying my rent. In other words, God's not answering because I'm a bad person. I don't read my Bible. 
I read only one verse. Maybe if I read seven verses, God would have answered. Maybe if I did this, God would have answered. Come on. Guilt is the weapon of the enemy to alienate you from the heart of God. You hear me? When my kids do something wrong, I draw near to them and say, we've got to talk because our relationship is not where it is. I don't lock the door and they come to the home and they go like, why the heck's this door locked? I go like, you know, you screwed up. Bye. It's not how it works. But you see, both of these scenarios, beautiful people, both of these scenarios tells us one thing. That by, in either case, you prove that you're a tenant, not a child. What do you mean, Pastor Pierre? <laughs> How many of you have prayed prayers, and years later you're so thankful God never answered them? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Come on, I was heartbroken at 12. because my first girlfriend. I go like, God, I like her so much. I want to marry her. Jesus says, I want to marry her. Please. And then, when, and then when she broke up with me, God, I've been loving you, praying every day. Why? I saw on Facebook, thank God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, have mercy. Oh, dear God, are you good? Man, it's like, oh, yes, Jesus, yes. Like, really? Thank you, God, that you ignored a foolish 12-year-old that wanted to get married to a girl that is definitely would not be working out. What else is not working out that you're angry for, but you think it's got to work out today? Because you see, church, there is something in this whole deal that when Jesus opened the Rosetta Stone of the Lord's Prayer. How did it start? Teach us how to pray. And he says, this is how you pray. Come on, just the first line. Our Father who art in heaven. Our what? Our, he didn't say our King, which He is. He didn't say our Creator, which absolutely is. He didn't say our friend, which He absolutely is. But He says that the key of all of Christian prayer is our Father. You see, church, that is why Christianity is the religion, if I can call it that, that sets it apart from all other religions because all other religions praise to a deity, to a God, or to God's our God says, I'm more than a God. I am your heavenly Father. You can call me Abba, which means Daddy God. I love you. And I want to say this to you. If you've not raised kids yet again, you may feel different. The only time you say no to your children is when you know it will hurt them or whether it's going to make them selfish or when they get older, if they inconvenient you. You know, I mean, I'll just leave that at that, but that's out of the side. But as a father, hey, parents, how much money have you put away for clothes and when you go to the shops, all you have is a handkerchief or underpants and everything is for them? How many times did you eat toasted cheese because they have decided to have surf and turf lobster at the restaurant? How much 
have you sacrificed towards them in love? How much more has God loved you with an everlasting love? I love this word, our Father, because look at this powerful scripture. He says the way that He became our Father is that you and I have been adopted of God. I love this. Come on, let's read John chapter 1. He says, but to as many as did receive and welcomed Him, He gave them the right, the authority, the privilege to become, oh, come on, this is big, children of God, to those who believe and adhere and trust in Him. God has adopted us. We are not just earthlings that He says, not hell, hell, not hell, hell. He's not the chief that is sitting up there waiting to fill hell. But let me tell you something about adoption. Adoption is not the result of a child's efforts. So Naji, give me some emotional piano music because I've got to tell a story. I love you. My dad's been pastoring his church a long, 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 long time. He's old school. I love him so much. Man. Wow. He's the kind of guy that still visits two or three homes three times a week. When he comes to your house, he says, what's your house number? Number 72. How many kids do you have? Five. Then he goes to Psalm 20, 72 verse 5. And he'll make sense of whatever that is. He went to a house one day. It was one of those houses where life has just been a storm. And right by the pool, next to the big open ground pool, there was a dog bowl, and there was a two-year-old little boy eating from that dog bowl with just about no clothes. Only one that was present at that house was a man, deeply disrupted. My dad said to him, who's that? He says, my brother's kid. He doesn't want him, and I don't want him. My dad said these words, give him to me. He says, take him. I don't want him. My dad picked up that little boy and he brought him home. My brother and his wife opened their arms and they adopted this little boy. To this day, they've got the little clothes that he wore. That little boy, it was not his efforts. It was the mercy and the grace and the sovereignty of someone else. That's when God says, when you hear my voice, don't ignore it. Because I'm coming to you, not because of your effort, because of my grace and mercy. He says, because if you ignore it, there's a day when you want it, but I no longer calling you. That's why he says, don't play with God. And I want to look you in the eye and say this, God is merciful, but don't play with him. Don't say, in my 11th hour, I'll make it right. You may only have a six hour. Wow, he's calling. Let me tell you something else about adoption. Especially parents that knows this. Adoption does not bring an instant change to the behavior of the child. We have a beautiful family called the Falcos. They adopted three children and they've got three of their own. They've got six. We took a moment and prayed for them. Uh, because who would do that? I tell you who would do that. People whose hearts have been opened by God to love more than what's just in front of them. But when I said this, 
It doesn't bring instant change to the behavior. They both shouted sitting there. That's the truth. Because you see, even that little boy had abandoned issues, was raised in violence, brokenness, no safety. Do you think that the brokenness of the past is simply fixed because somebody says, I'm adopting you? Oh, come on, this is, this is grace for somebody right now. Do you think if you give your life to Jesus when you walk out of here that all your problems and all the brokenness is gone? You are delusional if you think that. Can I tell you something? This is the power of God that His grace and His favor adopts you and then He works with the stinking brokenness in our lives and He doesn't cast you out and say, if you don't get this right in one day, you are out of here. That's not how our God works. Now let me tell you something else. The essence, oh, it's so good. The essence of change is not behavior. It's legal status. You know when you were Pastor Andre's speaker. I have two more scriptures, then I'm done. Pastor Andre's speaker, friend of this house. He's got a beautiful young daughter, Sophia. Oh, I wish I can show you a picture of Sophia. Man, I'm a, I'm a child whisperer. When I saw her the first time, she and I was walking around Mexico, like she was taking me on a route and I think she was like not even two years old. She was found in a dumpster. A dumpster. Her mom had her and threw her in a dumpster. Child was brought to church. Pastor Andres, and his wife picked her up and brought her in the house and spent thousands of dollars to see if they can find the birth mother because in Mexico you can't adopt until you've exhausted not finding the birth mother. Sophia right now is the most beautiful little girl. You know what her last name is? Speaker. You know who her grandparents are? The adopted family grandparents. You know what her history is? Found and forever safe. You know, one day when parents pass away, she will have an inheritance and nothing can change that because it is a legal status that you are no longer forgotten. You are no longer cast out. You are no longer almost. Do you understand that? You, you are, and we are not just Christians. Listen, look what the Bible says. It's my second last scripture. He says, for they will see, Jesus is praying, for they will see that you love each other of them with the same passionate love that you have. Jesus is praying. He's the older brother. And you know when the second kid comes, the first kid always plans the assassination of the second, right? You know that because all the attention now shifts. I didn't mean assassination. You know what I mean. It's Dutch for uh, don't like it. So come on, who's all the oldest kids? This is, I know what you mean, right? You may, you've got to make room. Jesus says, Father, love them like you love me. How much do you think God loves his only begotten son? How much do you think God loves his only begotten son? When the father looks at the son, what do you think is in his eyes? The judge, 
looking for sin? Or do you think the Father that says, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, image and likeness, my son. Jesus says, Father, like you love me, you love them. Oh, here's my last scripture. Somehow I've got to do something else with my fingers because it is making stripes. Consider the kind of, come on, work with me, work with me. The kind of, what kind of love? Come on, shout it out. <laughs> that God has lavished on, I want you to say me, that he calls me. A child of God, that's true. I am his beloved child. I'm his child. You say, Pastor Pierre, how is this now changing anything when I pray? I'm going to tell you how it changes. Man, when pandemic hit, first week I prayed for the pandemic to go away. Then I realized, oh crap, there's a problem. It's not going away. Now we're closing church. And I'm worried. I'm worried about you. I'm worried. Did I do enough? Did we do enough for you to be grounded in your faith? Every time I hear of people drifting in their faith, it hurts my heart because I'm a shepherd. God has put me in charge of your hearts. I remember going after a month. I go outside to pray. And I have nothing to pray because I've become accustomed to pagan prayers, meaning I, I pray for God for a certain outcome, and if it doesn't happen, I pray again for a certain outcome. If it doesn't happen, now I fast and pray and pray for a certain outcome. And if it doesn't happen, then I go like, what have I done wrong? I'm not praying enough. Am I not reading enough? Did I sin, God? There's always this wrestle, this wrestle of what am I doing? What is God doing? And, and, and this, there's a liberation in this because there comes a time where you simply are tired of fighting. And you realize... What was the fight really about if he's a good father? So part of that time, I read a book that challenged me to start my day. And I, I did this morning. I'm an early riser. I was up just after four. I woke the birds up. I go like, oh, what the heck? Don't be lazy. Just <laughs> whistle. It's a new day. I always feel I like wouldn't if I start early. You know what is different? This message has added that my father awaits and to walk out and say, hey, good morning, Father. When you look at me, your eyes are filled with wondrous love towards me. I, my beloved, and he is mine. You're not unaware of my shortcomings. You're not unaware of my, my shadows. You're not unaware of my struggles. You're not unaware of my lack of faith. You're not unaware of my anxiety, but God, my Father who art in heaven. I don't have to deserve your answer by works. And I don't have to be angry when you don't answer. I should be thankful that you are saving me from a 12-year-old girlfriend that ain't it. So God help me deal with my emotions of being disappointed. But one day, you will wipe every tear from my eye. One day when I see you face to face, will I fully understand 
That's why understanding is never a prerequisite to faith. Because if you understood everything, you would not need faith to trust. And I'm going to encourage you to close your eyes just for one second with me. I'm going to ask that we just, just dim down the house lights just a bit. You say, Pastor Pierre, why are you making it weird? I'm not making it weird. I want you to simply focus on one thing. And that one thing is, God, you love me as a father. You're my father. You're my father. Even if I don't feel like I'm a child, you're my father. You've adopted me. I can breathe. You're a father that's already been in my future. Before I was born, my life was written in the book of life. The fact that I'm in church is a sign that you are calling me. The fact that I'm watching online is you are calling me. Otherwise, I wouldn't. I don't have to work for it. I have behavioral issues, God, but you're a father that says he who began the good work in you is able to bring it to full completion. You are my father. Behold the father's heart. The mystery he lavishes on us. As deep cries out to thee how desperately he wants us the things of earth stands next to him like a candle to By singing he's your father doesn't make him your father. Adoption doesn't come at birth. He says all who receive him as Lord and Savior, he will welcome into his family. It is not by confessing that you are lying, that you're cheating and you're doing sinful things. 
those things are normal for people who are rooted in independence, self-reliance. And the Bible says it's rebellion. And on the outside, you may be wealthy, taken care of, everything's going well. But your independence will continue to bring separation. But maybe today God wants to invite you and say, hey, Adam was just a pile of mud until I breathed the spirit of life into him. You may be the living dead. And you say, I don't like that term. But scripture says, until God breathes and regenerates what sin has done on the inside of you and adopts you into his family. You say, Pastor P, what must I do? I'm going to lead you in a prayer where you declare your faith and intention. But you see, if it's not followed up by a life of surrender, God knows our hearts. If you're sitting in this place and say, I want him to be my father. I'm just sick and tired of being on the Titanic and foolishly shouting, I'm the king of the world. And the iceberg's coming. If you want to pray this prayer, say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for my sin, rose from the dead. I surrender my life to the Lordship of Jesus. I bow my knees, surrender all I have, all that I am. Breathe life into me, O oh God. You're a promise keeper. You said if I confess to your Lordship and bow to your Lordship, you adopt me into your family. And you shower me with lavish love. Thank you for a new heart, a new father, and a new family. Thank you for hearing this prayer, oh God. In Jesus' name. Then sings my soul. Can I invite you to stand with me and sing it? Then sing.